Reading is taken from John 13, verses 1 to 17, and this can be found on page 1081 in your Bibles. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not every one of you is clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Just um, this last week, as I've been reading this passage, I've really come to just experience the awe and the wonder of God. As I've been reading this passage, and you read about Jesus coming to wash the disciples' feet, a job that, as we'll see, was reserved for the slave, for the lowest of the low. And you just think how anyone can say that the word of God, that the Bible is made up, how anyone can come up with a God that would come to this earth, that would die for us sinners, for us human beings, and that would come and would wash the feet of those that he dies for. 
a job reserved for the servant, for the lowest of the low. How anyone can make that up, it just it doesn't make sense. And so this has to be true, this word of God that we read. And as we read it, we come to read this word with reverence, with awe, with wonder at the God whom we served in Jesus Christ. It really is amazing. So I just ask, as you open your Bibles, just remember that. We serve an awesome, wonderful, wonderful God who is incredible. I just think we need reminding of that sometimes. Let's, let's pray together as we begin. Father, thank you that you are holy. Thank you, God, that you are so holy that you are far beyond what we can even imagine. And Lord, you are seated in heaven and you have angels gathered around you singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And who are we that you would come to this earth to serve us? that you would come to give your life for us. And so, Lord, we say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for saving us. Speak to us this morning, we pray, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There was a story of a man that recognized that there was something wrong with his body. And so he goes to see his local GP, he goes to see uh, a specialist um, who the GP refers him to go and see. And the specialist runs all sorts of tests and they come up with a diagnosis of what's wrong with the man. But it was actually quite serious and so they'd asked that they would speak to the man's wife first. So the wife is sat across from him in, in the specialist's office and he says, I'm really sorry but we've got some bad news. What your husband has is is quite a rare form of disease, and without the proper treatment, in a few months, he will die. But we do believe that with the right treatment, with the right care from yourself, that he will be healed and that he will live. However, it requires quite a lot from you. He has to have a very strict diet, which means that he has to have particular meals cooked for him three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, on time, the right sort of ingredients. It has to be a very strict diet. The environment in which he lives has to be kept 100% clean at all times. There cannot be a speck of dust anywhere, which means that you have to wash the house and clean the house every single day. His clothes cannot have any dirt on them whatsoever. So you have to do his washing every single day. Some of you know what I'm talking about here. The wife thanked the specialist. And the specialist said, well, look, you know, if if you were to do this, if you were to cook, to clean, to do all of this, then we do believe that he'll be healed. She leaves his office and she can see as she's walking towards her husband, that her husband is nervous. You know, what what is she going to say? What has the specialist said? The husband says, so? She says, darling... I've got some bad news. I'm afraid you're going to die. (laughs) Because, you know, I'm not not doing that. It's a bit of a cheesy story, but but actually, for, for some of us, we know that that is the case. When we see a need around us, we might even think, well, maybe that's too much. Maybe that's below me. Maybe I'm too busy to do that job. Maybe someone else should go and do that job because, you know, I can't. It's too beneath me. We see in our passage from today that Jesus continually sucked people in with irrational acts of serving love. He loved people. He served people. This, from our passage today, is a prime example. Jesus gets down and stoops down the lowest of the low and washes the disciples' feet. And we see Peter's reaction 
we see the reaction of the disciples. What is Jesus doing? Jesus came to serve. You see, this is how the Romans, the the Jewish people were expecting a Messiah that would come in and that would take out the Romans. And yet Jesus came as a servant. And you can kind of understand why people didn't understand that this was the Messiah in some ways, from what they expected to what they actually saw in Jesus Christ. He came to serve. Just a bit of context before we look at John 13 in in more depth. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Okay, and his week thus far has been quite a busy, hectic week. We learn that on Monday, Jesus, he cleanses the temple. He turns over the table of the money changers. He casts out the money changers. On Tuesday, he has a fight with religious leaders. On Wednesday, we don't actually know what happened on Wednesday. Wednesday was quite a quiet day for Jesus. Thursday evening, we come to John 13. Jesus is having a meal with his disciples, his closest friends. And he knows that the next day he's going to be tortured. He knows that he's going to go to the cross. And he knows that in his midst, amongst those 12, is one of the disciples that says that he's Jesus' friend, yet he knows he's going to stab him in the back. Judas Iscariot. He knows that Judas is going to betray him. And he's sharing the body and the blood, the bread and the wine with his closest friends. And we read in Luke's gospel, if you read Luke's gospel as well, along with this account, we know in Luke's gospel that a fight breaks out amongst the disciples. And this fight is, who is the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest disciple? Can you imagine, of all times, this fight breaks out? Maybe at this point, John speaks up and says, well, of course, you know, I'm the greatest because I'm the one that Jesus loved. Maybe Peter spoke up, as Peter always does, speaks first, then thinks afterwards. Maybe Peter said, well, no, of course, I'm the greatest because I walked on water. Maybe the other disciples said at that point, yeah, but Peter, you sank. Maybe Bartholomew at this point speaks up and says, well, of course, I'm the greatest. And they say, well, Bartholomew, no one's going to remember your name. (laughs) Is he even one of the disciples? There's a fight that breaks out amongst the disciples. And I can imagine Jesus thinking at this point, guys, I already told you what is going to happen. That the greatest in your midst is the one that is not in lights, the one that is not up at the front, the one is not doing all this stuff that everyone can see. The greatest is the servant. The greatest one is the servant. And that is why I came. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. I came to serve. I came to serve. Jesus looks around the room at his disciples and he sees two things. Number one, he sees proud hearts. You see, the disciples, they're just like us. Nothing's changed. Nothing is new under the sun. The disciples are proud. And they care about who is the greatest. Jesus sees proud hearts. Maybe that's a word for you this morning. Do you have a proud heart? Are you proud? Because actually it says in the word of God that that pride comes before a fall. That God sees that pride in us and we, we should repent. We should turn to God and say sorry for that that goes on. Jesus looks around the room. He sees proud hearts and he sees 
dirty feet. Jesus came to serve. Maybe at this point he thought, I can wash feet. So he gets up from the table. He wraps himself in a towel. And verse 4 we read. Verse 4 says, So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet? This seems somewhat strange to us in our culture, in our context today. It was common courtesy 2,000 years ago when you came to someone's home that you would have the offer of a foot wash, believe it or not. Like if you came to my house today, I'd like to think that I would take your coat at the door, that I would offer you a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cold drink, maybe even a biscuit. That would be common courtesy today. 2,000 years ago, two things. When you arrived at someone's house, you would receive a kiss on the cheek and you would be offered a foot wash. Now, what's important to note is that when the host of the house is saying, would you like your feet to be washed? He's actually saying, look how important I am. Look how wealthy I am because I can afford to have a servant who will come and do your foot wash on my behalf. That's what the host is saying. I have the money that someone will come and do a foot wash on my behalf. Now, feet are not particularly nice, are they not? This was a job that was reserved for the lowest of the low. This was a job that was reserved for the servant of the house. This was not a nice job. People would be walking, they would have sandals, they'd be walking in all sorts of of cow dung, of dirt, of mud on the floor. So when someone offers a foot wash, this was the most disgusting job you could ever do. Imagine if I came to your house and you said, George, welcome, it's great to see you, would you like to have a foot wash? You're probably not going to say that, are you? Let's be honest. Feet are not very nice, feet are disgusting. And yet this was a job reserved for the lowest of the low. And Jesus, when he looks around the room, he sees proud hearts, he sees dirty feet, gets up from the table, wraps a cloth around his waist. And I can imagine the disciples are saying, no, Jesus, what are you doing? You don't do that. You're God. And yet this is what Jesus does. He washes the disciples' feet. It's a bit like if the Queen of England came to your home today and she offered to clean your toilets. Except it's worse. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is the King of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the first and the last. Jesus is the bread of life, the light of the world. He is God with us. He is the Messiah. And he's come to our dirty earth And he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. This is the God that we serve. This is not made up. This last week, as I've said, I've just been in awe and wonder as to who Jesus was. And if we want an example of someone to follow, to live our lives by, then Jesus is the perfect example. God coming to our earth and washing feet, serving us dying for us on the cross. 
And yet when we see a need, if we're honest with ourselves, do we often think, I'm too important for that. I'm too busy to serve that person. If I'm honest, you know, I've I've thought that. This is what Jesus does. My challenge this morning to you is to ask God, when you next see a need that needs meeting, to say to God, God, is this an assignment that you want me to meet? A need that you want me to meet in some way? God, that you would humble my heart. That you would help me to see people as you see them. Is this an assignment for me to meet? Just take a moment just to think about any needs that you know in your midst. Maybe that's even in this congregation. Maybe that's in your family. Maybe even that is of someone that you dislike. Because how many of us know that it's easy to serve those that we love, but actually how difficult is it to serve those we don't even like? Your enemies. Love one another was last week. This week we're looking at serving. How are we going to love one another? This is putting love one another into practice. Let's take a minute just to think, who can I serve this week? Who can I show the love of Christ as he loved me? As uh, many of you will know, a few weeks ago we had a second baby and um, we're delighted that we've had Edith, who is my little sweetheart, another girl. I am completely outnumbered (laughs) now with girls, but she is such a joy. But I think it, it really did bring a tear to my eye to see the love and the care and the service that, that all of you have, have blessed us with. Just in those early couple of weeks when we were trying to survive and trying to cope with two children and just for people to bring meals, for people to bring flowers, presents, cards, kind words, encouragements. Honestly, it really has touched my heart. So thank you from Anna and myself, to to all of those that have done that and that have prayed for us because we really have felt your prayers. But that is what service is. That, That is what the body of Christ is all about. That we serve one another, that we look after one another. And when people see how we love one another, they see Jesus. When people see how we serve each other, because it's countercultural. If we live like this, then people take notice. People see Jesus. I remember Dave Fenton preached, and he said this a couple of times now, but when he's been in Israel and his tour guide said, if you Christians were actually to live the Beatitudes, then that would be powerful. That people would see God through the way in which you live your lives. If we serve one another, people see God in us. We are light for the gospel, particularly if we serve those who we don't even like. Forgiveness, love, service, they all go hand in hand. So maybe this week, as you're going about your week, you see something, a need that needs meeting. Maybe a friend of yours is moving house and you offer to help them move. Maybe it's not even a friend of yours and you still help them to move. Maybe you see a need in in toddlers on a Tuesday morning. You see that actually some, some help is needed. And, you know, I've had children before. I know how to, to look after children. I know how to play games. Maybe that's a need that you can meet. 
Sounds like I'm, I'm giving a plug for toddlers, and I sort of am, but... Yeah. What need is there that you can meet? Because Jesus did it for us. Jesus served us. He loved us until the end. How can we love other people? The two greatest commandments, love God, love other people. How are we going to do that this week? How are we going to do that this week? Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Serving is not what I do. Servant is who I am. We're made in the, in the image of God. If God can do this, then we should follow. This morning I spoke um, a similar sort of message at the 9.30. And I asked people at the end of the service, I said, look guys, I'm going to be speaking this same message to the 11.15 congregation and there are needs in our midst, are there not? Particularly lifts to church on a Sunday. Um, maybe someone can come around and do your gardening if you've got a garden that's overgrown. I've done that a few times and it's actually great fun. Maybe someone can, can help clean your house. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe you have a need that needs meeting. How amazing would it be if the 930 congregation helped meet the needs of the 1115 congregation? So I'd ask you, maybe after the service, or send me an email, drop me a text, whatever it is, just saying what, what need you have. And I can pass that on to the 930 people that have put themselves forward, and we can, we can try and meet these needs. Because if people see the love in our midst, if people see that we are unified as the church, as the body of Christ, they take notice. We've got to start with ourselves. When people see our love, they see Jesus in us. You know, one of the most common things, as I close in a minute, one of the most common things that I hear as someone who works for the church, we've been looking at five or six churches now, and you know, we, we're really struggling to find a church that meets our needs. We're struggling to find a church that meets our needs. That's one of the most common things that I hear as someone who works for the church. But the church was never meant to meet our needs. We are the church and we exist for the world. We are the church and we exist for the world. And actually, if you're not serving, then you're missing out. If you're not serving, you miss out. What are the joys that you get from serving? You get to see, you know, I prayed for this person, and actually my prayers made a difference in their life. I served this person. I cut their grass. I, I gave them a lift to church. I cooked them a meal. And you see the difference that that makes in somebody's life. What a joy that is. You get to be used by God. You know, you spend your life on yourself, and you'll be unhappy. If you spend your life serving other people, giving of yourself, you'll be the happiest person that ever was. You'll be close to God. You'll be used by God. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us, is it not? That we are the body of Christ. Our body is made up of many members, each having different gifts, to be used in the building up of the church. And one cannot say to the other, I don't need you. Because all are needed. 
So we're here to help one another. We're here to serve one another. We're here to show the love of Christ to the world out there. So honestly, as I close, let me just encourage you, please, if there is a need in our midst, and there are many, I know, that if we can help by, by serving, by getting someone for the 9.30, I'm not saying this is going to necessarily work. This is kind of me thinking out loud. But you know, we'd love to. We'd love to. And I tell you what, the first person that comes to me and asks me to cut their grass, I will come and do it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not cutting his grass. <laughs> I'm not cutting your grass either. You've got four acres. <laughs> Thank you, Simon. But that's what it's all about, isn't it? As Jesus came to serve us, so we go and serve other people. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Should we pray together? Jesus, thank you so much that you came to serve us. Lord, we sometimes can't even quite imagine that that you as God would come to this world, that you would die for us, that you would enter into our mess, that you would be tortured, that you would hang on a cross so that we can receive forgiveness, that we can come to you. Lord, thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you that you've given us so many chances to live more like you. And Holy Spirit, I do pray that you'd help us to live this out. I pray that you would help us to put this into practice, to not just read the words, but to be doers of the word. And that we would see what it is that you're doing in our world, that you would use us for your glory. So Lord, help us to have eyes to see, hearts to care, a will to act. Make us switched on. And we do this for your glory, to give praise to your name. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.